11 o'clock comics episode 70 yikes <laughs> Represent. It, it could be episode like 82 and a half. You'd be like, represent, gotta be there. Well, without getting too sappy, the truth is this is the thing I've been looking most forward to after a shitstorm of a week. So. Oh, same here. I I came home from work today to find my Cintiq. Oh, and, hi, and, nice. And I haven't touched it because I know wow. I had to do this. I love my buds. I had to get the show. And tomorrow I can't touch it either because I have to get the show out. So I won't be touching it till at least Friday afternoon. I'd be editing on that Cintiq. See? I do Dude, it all for you. I, I want to get a Cintiq and I don't even draw. <laughs> <laughs> all right. right, let's. Hey, dudes, it's 11 o'clock comics and I am Vince B. Yes, you are. And I'm mm-hmm. Christopher Naisman. Yes, you are. I'm David Price. Indeed you are. And I, of course, am Dr. Abraham Erskine. No. No, you're not. You're Jason in the poorhouse, digging the basement. (laughs) (laughs) Jason Wood. It's building that underground I know. I wish I was Jason the plumber, because I would have saved myself a lot of friggin' money this week. (laughs) Who is it? We were just talking about that, actually, before you got on. Oh, yeah? That old Sesame Street bit with the parrot. Who is it? The plumber. Mm-hmm. I'm here to fix the sink. All right. So, yeah, this episode is sponsored by DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service. You can find them on the web at dcbservice.com. Galactus size discounts on all your favorite comics, 35, 45, 55, up to 75% sometimes off on your favorite books and everything else in the previews catalog. They have a really cool first light program that spotlights independent creators pushing some good books there. So check them out. Like I said, dcbservice.com. They're good people and they'll do right by you. Well, there we go. I mean, except, except for Crucy. I mean, Cameron's all right, but Ben <laughs> and Ben and Zach, <laughs> I <laughs> I don't know about those guys. The diabolical duo. Those guys are awesome. (laughs) Let's do the drink thing. We're rolling because I read so much this week, I can't wait to jump in. One thing, I can't wait to talk to Jason about. As opposed to other weeks. Right. When you're you're not chomping at the bit to talk. Nobody talks to me at home. Then, since, uh, since you are chomping at the bit, why don't you lead us off? What are you drinking this week? Yeah, Diet Pepsi. Okay, next. Nice. (sighs) David. (laughs) Uh, Poor Chris. Just say I don't even know why I bother. Uh, Fox Orange Vineyard uh, Merlot. Oh, okay. okay. How is that? Pretty good. Kind of sweet. I I'm uh, I like it. I, I didn't realize that I was finishing it tonight. So no more. Is it a uh, Is it a California? It uh, yes, yes, it is. It's a uh, it's it's pretty. I mean, it's it's it ain't pricey. It's it's a cheap <laughs> bottle of wine, but it's it's good. It is pricey though. It it, it is pricey. That's Boom. right. I should get a snare drum and a and a cymbal here. 
By, by the way, um, I had, speaking I had, of snare drums, I had uh, no. What you guys had talked about, uh, uh, Johnny Deutsch. Is that the Ronnie jo- Deutsch? Ronnie Deutsch. Yeah, yes. Ronnie Deutsch. Yeah. She, she could be a Johnny. Just, you never know. Yeah, that's, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. It's Ronnie Deutsch. It's Chicago. Chicago. Chicago's had its first Ronnie Deutsch commercials. Nice. Oh. Oh. So, nice. Hi, I'm and, Ronnie yeah. Deutsch. I'll settle your tax problems, and I used to have a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Responsible by Ronnie Deutsch anytime soon. Oh, oh, uh, well. Mr. Mr. Wood, how about you? Chris, I'm going to try and make you happy, buddy. I am drinking an Iron Man. Ooh. Uh, 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 uh. What do you, what, no, Iron no, not Iron Man like that. Iron Man like Tony Stark. Oh. Well, well you know, that was used in the movie. Him, it, it's it's like... a drink. It's a drink that formerly was known as a rusty nail, but these days is referred to in many circles as an Iron Man. Really? What, ru- really? Mm-hmm. Is the yeah, drink no, that rest, distasteful? Rest, Does no, the rest, circle go beyond your like den? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, just Google it. You'll see. It's 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 a okay. new name for rusty nail. Yeah. So rusty nail or, or, is um, that, a golden that would be, uh, or a golden avenger. They call golden it golden avenger. Mm-hmm. Um, a wild turkey, right? Well, in this case, you could use any any scotch or whiskey. I'm using I'm using the uh, Johnny Walker Gold that I had that I said okay. I got a couple weeks ago. Um, right. and, Dram- and Drambuie. Okay. Ooh, now I've tasted yeah. Drambuie. That's big in Italian families mm-hmm. with Italian families. Yeah, yeah. You, it's basically any it's it's a, it's Drambuie and and whiskey or scotch mixed together, and everyone has their own way of doing it. I mean, for me, because as I said, I'm not all that. My palate for whiskeys and scotches by themselves isn't all that refined, so I it's pretty much half and half right now for me. You're getting ready for like 36 hours of some of the best bourbon drinking you've ever had in your life, Jason. See, I'm trying to I'm trying to steal myself in anticipation of the fact that I'm going to hang out with you in a month. <laughs> so it's be I'm trying awesome. to at least get the. Uh, the the, uh, the mouth feel ready for some whiskey. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you, you better bring an extra liver too while you're at it. Cause well, <laughs> especially because I'm, I'm so out of practice. Literally, you know, I have one drink a week now. Uh, yeah. on the show, so I'm I'm not in drinking shape. Yeah, and I'm I'm actually this is um this is my only drink of the week. I I actually uh, have decided to uh, to stop drinking during the week. I'm mostly because I don't need to drink seven days. <laughs> hey, you said that when I was out there. You said you were going to stop during the week. Yep, so that's yep. so, cool. Um, and uh, that, and it's I, I need to need to drop a couple pounds. And uh, it's it's as you guys know, it's a lot easier to do that whenever you're not uh, whenever oh, you're oh, not yeah. drinking. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm just going with a um, a small vodka lemonade tonight, and uh, and that will be my drink for the week. Very very cool. And as I put on our forum in the episode 69 thread and you can find our forum at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or where else david 11 o'clock comics.com okay wow you're raring to go i forgot i forgot last last week to mention a couple people that i did run into in in chicago adam besignodian family our, our friend scott cedarland from Wednesday's Hall and his wonderful blog, and John Colsar from Wicked. Uh, in- yes, I was waiting for that. Yeah, from Wicked in the Imp. I I was hanging with those dudes out there, and I forgot to mention them. And I felt like a, a shit heel for not doing so. And if I did forget anybody else, just please let me know, and I'll rectify that. So sorry, guys. I, I'm not as young as I used to be. Because that is neither the first nor the last. Young. The uh, the the first. Before I forget, keep your ears peeled in future episodes and eyes peeled on the forum for a contest that will be run right by Mr. Adam Bessignoli. Forgot. Forgot all about that. <laughs>
Hey, 11 o'clock comics, Carlos Cordovich. You're just calling you guys because I have a comment about the newest episode towards Mr. Chris Neesman. Neil Gaiman writing new Miracle Man stories wouldn't be just the same thing as writing new century stories, which is what you said is the same thing. No way. Neil Gaiman writing new Miracle Man stories would him be fin- with would be him finishing his magnum opus trilogy that he had planned that he never even got to finish. So I decided that. Twitter. Bye. I got a lot to talk about. I Ooh. hope you guys do too. So you're yeah, we're switching it up this week. Let's switch it up. <laughs> Oh hey! Yeah, I was gonna say Vince, Vince and I kind of dominated things last week, so I want to know. Uh, I want to know what David and Wood have been reading. Yes, take it away, Jason. <laughs> um, well, I, have you guys read the first issue of Brubaker's Marvels, the Marvel uh-huh. Project? Or oh, yeah, I bought it, you know, and I put it on the back burner because something else took precedence. But uh, okay. I was gonna read that for this week. Uh, all right. Um, no, talk well, about I, it. Well, I, I it's uh it's the Marvels Project's the actual name, right? Uh, yeah, and it's an eight-issue uh, limited series uh, written by Brew Baker, um, Epting art, uh, Steve Epting on the artwork with uh, Dave Stewart colors, and uh, it, it. Let me say that uh, uh, Epting is a is a is a talented bastard. Yeah. <laughs> the book looks gorgeous. You know, you've been talking Vince a lot about the uh, the, the 70, 70th anniversary books and how mm-hmm. much you've been digging them. You bet. I mean, I have a feeling if you haven't looked in this book yet, you're gonna you're gonna need to change your drawers because oh, uh, I, I, mean, I did look through yeah. it and I yeah. agree with you alone. Yeah, stunning, mm-hmm. stunning stuff. It's stunning, stunning, gorgeous stuff. Um, the story, you know, it's it's the first issue of eight. I've heard a lot of criticism on the interwebs this week about it being very evocative of Marvels. And in fact, I made the mistake. I just referenced it as Marvels, but of the uh, you know the the Alex Ross uh, Marvels from back in the day. Um, well, that's that, that's kind of the the point. Yeah, exactly. It, it's 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 tied into that, so I can understand it. But I I, I thought it was quite. I mean, I it definitely has Brubaker's voice. I mean, it's not to me. It it takes place in the same sandbox, which is the early you know the early formation of the superhero part of the Marvel universe. But um, it was cool. It was a setup issue. Um, I won't get into too much of the. There's a couple spoilers. I don't want to give away for you guys if you haven't read it yet. But um, I thought That's it was a good setup issue. I thought that uh, I you know I introduced myself as Doctor uh, Abraham Erskine because he was uh, he was a, a not not in one but two comics I read this week. He was also in uh, Captain America um, Re, uh, Reborn number two. And uh, and in and in this Marvel's project, we we learn a little more about the uh, the about Doctor Erskine and his uh, shall we say colorful past. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's interesting. It basically takes a lot of the formation of the World War II era Atlas characters that we already know their histories. I mean, how many times have we seen the Captain America origin and tries to layer in a little bit more uh, nuance, a little bit more conspiracy. Um, so, so far so good. I mean, you know, I have no idea. It's eight issues. It could go a lot of directions, but, uh, but, uh, I thought it was, it was, uh, interesting. They laid a lot of groundwork, which has me curious for just how far they're going to take this. Cause, uh, cause they, it seems like Brubaker's going to try and make some bold claims in this. So neat. And you know, it, it was the Marvel 70th anniversary issues that pushed me in the direction of this. I originally was on the fence. Yeah, I'll take a look, see, you know, maybe, maybe not. But after enjoying all those 70th anniversary issues, I just bought it because it's in the same thematic ballpark. And then when I bind the 70th issues, I'll just bind this with it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And did you know, and this is right up your uh, alley, that there's a 70th anniversary Ohatmu issue coming out? 
I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty neat. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm all about it, the Hot Mood, dude. It's got a really cool Mitch Breitweiser cover. Breitweiser, Breitweiser, mm-hmm. yeah. Volume 11 of the Ohatmu uh, hardbacks is uh, solicited this month. Love it. Now, now, do you read all of those? No, no. I mean, I, I each one I flip through and read a couple entries that, that day, usually just out of curiosity. Ones that I'm not familiar with are just curious how they've, you know, rewritten the histories and then just put them on the shelf but they're going to look nice man when they're all finished it's like a little yeah. old school list of encyclopedias sitting up there for me to look at i really en- enjoy those too and the other night i was reading through the 90 the uh, ohatmu 90s issue mm-hmm. like that just spotlighted the because you know yeah I, I missed a lot of that mm-hmm. and i get about three or four pages in and that stuff puts me to sleep and it's not because it's badly written or it's sure uh, you know, unexciting. It's just that all that data. After a while, it's like, oh, I, I get, I can feel my eyes getting heavy, and it's just mm-hmm. it's something else. I go right to sleep. Well, I mean, let's be honest. You're artistic by nature, and it's your vocation. It's both your vocation and your avocation. I mean, you, it's mm-hmm. your, it's what you love, and uh, <clears throat> and and I obviously I'm an analyst by by trade, right? That's I'm all about data. So um, right. So so it's that's probably no no small surprise that I love <laughs> I love things in in these formulaic pages that tell me their powers compared to other people and you know and it's all very data driven i love that so. you would have a fangasm if they ever uh published the ohatmu excel spreadsheet wouldn't you oh, <laughs> well i mean that's sort of what like wikipedia or you know the marvel's got their own wikipedia now i mean i have to say a lot of the stuff is on the web now and and, and available but but just something about having these on my shelf i just love it you know yeah anybody download the spider woman digital comic <laughs> You did? I did it, yeah, because I knew we'd be talking about it tonight. Um, oh, really? Well, I didn't. I, all I saw was the promos, and it looks really good, but you actually mm-hmm. um, experienced all 10 minutes of it? Yes, I threw myself into the experience that is the Spider Woman Agent of Sword motion comic. Wow. And what did you think? Because I haven't. I've, I've intentionally um, watched it tomorrow, but I have not uh, seen it, it was, yet. It was pretty good. Um, first of all, I liked it. Um, it looks beautiful. It's really good Maliva art. Yeah, it was produced well. It um, it really felt like a cutscene for a video game. Okay, well, that could be a good thing. That. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like a really really good cutscene for a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's really more with the story. And and I don't want to I don't want to spoil it um, for you guys. But um, part of it, in the comparison to a video game is that the story is. Um, and you can, from the name of it, is that Jessica Drew, Spider-Woman, is uh, an agent of S.W.O.R.D. She becomes an agent of S.W.O.R.D. And her job, you know, she has this very video game, go to point A, to point B, to point C, you know, do this job, here's your equipment, and blah, blah, blah. It really, it really read like a video game. She does have some damn fine equipment. <laughs> yeah, she does have some equipment. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, they're and, really... Uh... Mm-hmm. No, no, I was going to say they're really pushing sword now as an organization. Yeah, yeah. A new sword ongoing coming out, right? And, yeah, um, which I'm in for. Cool. Yeah, me too. Yeah, and because Agent Brand, is, come on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And Beast is uh, banging her out, so she's... No uh, way. Oh, dude, that? yeah. Well, I thought that's Hank was gay. You did, huh? Yeah, when He's did not. this start? Are you that's kidding? Al- that's Ultimate Hank. 
No, oh, he, that was that, that was a throwaway line that Morrison just had fun with. He was never he was never actually oh, gay. Yeah, no, he's been banging um, around from, uh, back since uh, what astonishing, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I, I remember yeah. the the uh, long term long time love affair with the reporter chick. There, the TV. Yeah, and uh, what was, was her name? No, no. Yeah, he's dating he's dating her because uh, it's implied that she she even makes a joke when they first meet in Astonishing about how um, her dad had blue hair. But it was. Uh, it was. Yeah, I only read Astonishing up to the end of the Whedon. Yeah, run. and that's and that's when in, that, and she was in that. No, right, she, yeah, but that was. They weren't that well, was it, open it, uglies. Yeah, they were. Sure, they were. Um, in the it, Whedon run. Yeah, and yeah. there was there was there was hints. Well, there was there heavy was, there, 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 yeah. yeah, there were heavy petting. Get it? <laughs> but yeah. then right after that, I think in what uh, in Civil War, I right? I, I, but, yeah, um, no, uh, maybe in one of the Secret Invasion. Offshoot. Yeah. So, no, but it was there was something, yeah, where it is they are an item, and I I don't think it, it may have even been in uh, in, in maybe Ellis's first issue, or or maybe, maybe, but yeah, Hank mentions it, and and uh, and Brand isn't shy about um, denying it. I mean, she's cool. she, she's yeah, so yeah. he's uh, she's it's it's the funky relationship, so everybody's happy. But no, it was a uh, he he said he was gay to I guess. Maybe not make her feel so bad about them breaking up or something, but it was never. Oh, he, okay. Later on, it was even he, he even um, he told Scott that uh, he was he was kidding. So and and you know Hank's a freak in the bed. I mean, oh God, yeah. The, the acrobatics, notwithstanding, but with a brain like that, he's got every page of the Kama Sutra you know memorized. He's tickling you. Yeah, he, he, oh, definitely. He's he's uh, he's like ludicrous. You know, he wants a lady in the streets, but a freak in the bed. Yeah. Okay, oh, well, he's right. At least he gets to say it here on the form. Thank yes. you. I mean, I'm going to get a bell. Ding. There's the is, rap. Uh, for the is is Brand? Is that a uh, a Joss Whedon character? Did he? Yeah, yeah, did he yeah. Create, yeah, he created okay. her. Yeah. yeah, but no, it was. Uh, you know, it was worth the buck. Yeah, he, he I, 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 they are not going to release this as a comic. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And well, it is in continuity. Oh, um, really? They, they well, they and they went out of their way to. Uh, it was actually they went out of their way to uh, make sure that uh, um, that she could still be in the Avengers and that this is is not going to get in the way of that. So I mean this is just a little offshoot story mm-hmm. for this. So it was uh yeah, I mean it was it was worth the buck. I I, I won't get I won't get the rest of them, but uh okay. um yeah, it was yeah, it was cool. Well, I read the uh promo piece. I think it was on CBR with Bendis and he said that going back to the scrapped series that he had planned for Spider-Woman and we all know how that turned out. He said uh, he's going to make sure that he gets this out to as many people as he possibly can. So he's he's behind it. Well, it's, it's going to be he's going to get it out to as as many people that want to pay a buck for it and and have iTunes. Right. Well, I've paid a buck for a three minute song. This is three times that length. So and it's pretty, yeah. and you can look at it. So I, I think I'm going to buy into it. Why the hell not? Oh yeah, it's, it's an experiment that's worth some. Uh, Investment, I think. Plus, she she's got the booming system. So, oh, you're not kidding. I, and it, well, I saw. It, and, yeah, and and it was a it was a dollar, and it was um, about ten minutes long. Ten, That's cool. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, a little over ten minutes. How's the audio production? It's good, but is Jessica Drew is she British? Yes, she is. I'm, yes, I remember somebody bringing that up that she Wait. should have a British accent, or was it she shouldn't? I don't know. Or why does she? Yeah, yeah, I think something it's more like of a why does she? When did she get a British accent? But uh, yeah, so, because it's, I, she was not British in the when her 
back when her her own series came out back in the seventies, uh, hmm. late seventies. But yeah, maybe they're doing well. it to be classy because everything sounds classier when it's yeah, sexy. Yeah, it's yeah. sexier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, it was fun. Cool. I'm gonna have to look into it. Things I love about this show. <laughs> Vince going on and on about something he's so excited about and everybody being completely silent. And he just doesn't care. He'll go on and on and on until he feels like you need to love it as much as he does. And that's fantastic. David. David and his subtle slick daggers that slice and cut you before you even know it. Just the little sly comments that no one hears until two minutes later or until they listen to the fucking show on their own. Uh, and he's just, you know, he's just chilling in the background, you know, quietly sighing to himself. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Oh, yeah. Fucking, uh, fucking Neesman. Neesman getting drunk, turning into the belligerent uncle, loving to be contrary and just trying to piss people to fuck off. And Mr. Wood, it is, it is, it is down as fuck. That's all. That's all. And I, uh, <laughs> I enjoy the fuck out of that. All right. Have a good night. Uh, bye bye. <laughs> Yes, I will. How about you, David? I have been am trying to play Gatcha. out of Gotham just, again for this week, hopefully. I, I, yeah, for you. <laughs> just for you. Even though... Nah, don't let me hold I, you back. Um, yeah, I only took 33 episodes. The, uh, <laughs> nice. The, <laughs> Zing I, right through I, my I heart. Read, oh, I love you. Um, <laughs> is, is anybody... Are they waiting for the trade? Uh, is anybody reading Brubaker and Phillips Incognito? Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Is it? Does I? Uh, it's been a while since I. I read the first three issues, and I guess it's a good thing that it's been a while because apparently number four was delayed. So I read four and five back to back. Number six concludes this story, and then they'll be back to criminal. But uh, did 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 the cover and paper feel any different to you guys? You mean with this issue? With four yeah. and five. Yeah, I haven't. With this I issue. have not read either. They're sitting in my pile. Okay. I read one, three, it, one, two, and three. The the uh, the cover felt a little thin, but the the paper felt. I it, it it was nice. I mean, it just it wasn't like the Vertigo trade newsprint or or uh, or the glossier stuff you might find in like you know Incredible Hulk or, or Spider Man or something. It was just it was it was a weird feel. But it's the, as far as the uh, the book itself, I I'm glad I'm supporting it. As far as the single issues go, but I know that this isn't something that you can, and you know the delays aren't going to help it. We know that this is not what what Ed and and Sean are. This isn't their bread and butter. They have other bills to pay, and that's and that's the work they're going to do with that. This is this is uh, something that they want to do, and and 
but I need all six issues and then I'm going to sit down and read it because I know this will read much better. There's a lot going on. I'm not yeah. saying it's, it's, uh, it's slow or, or it's, it's just drawn out and there's no reason, you know, this could have been told in two issues. No, this needs the issues that the story they're telling, but, uh, but it's, it's not something that you can read over a half a year. Or, or eight or ten months or something. I, I, re- I really would have liked to have seen Incognito come out straight to trade. Yeah. As an original graphic novel, yeah. OGN, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, um, uh, the first Vertigo Crime books started coming out today. Yep. And um, the I uh, picked up uh, Filthy Rich, the Azarillo, and uh, um, Santos one. Looks gorgeous. I, I, would, I would like to see... You know stuff like incognito, maybe you know it not maybe follow this format, but go just just come out and trade you know it's it does look I, like it has a sleeper kind of vibe to it it does and and it even uh-huh. um they sure. it mentions in the back matter that uh that it was sleeper that pretty much cemented uh he and Sean being a team and and mm-hmm. what what fans seem to expect, but it was sleeper was also in a way, I guess, sort of the, uh, the origin, maybe not deliberately, but it was, it was, uh, it led the way for incognito. I mean, they, they they love doing criminal and criminal criminal is something that even though you can sit down and read the trades and get a whole story, you know, I mean, those aren't stories that take place over the course of, of months or years. I mean, they, the stories, happen very quickly the, the events that happen in in those pages incognito is is a whether it's because of of the uh of the look or the feel of the story or that it's it is a superhero story um or mostly on the villain side but it's because it, it works in that capes and cowl setting it it's not a uh it's not something that you can read and and like like chris said then you know if it was all done in one chunk and we got to sit yeah. down it and read it as a book that that would have been it would have been perfect, and it's, you know, it's it's going to come out in trade. So if they can, if they can get it done both ways, so be it. Like I said, I know once the sixth issue ships, and and I get my hands on that, I will sit down with all six issues, and I'll it'll probably be a much more fulfilling read. And uh, and I, I still I recommend. I mean, I recommend Criminal too, but the Incognito. I'm not gonna say I was ple- pleasantly surprised because based on their track record, I um I kind of knew what I was getting into. I wasn't going to be disappointed. Really, regardless of the story, but I, uh, any expectations I had were, were blown away. I, I'm very happy with, uh, and no matter what happens in the sixth issue, even though I have an idea, because there's, uh, some pretty big revelations happening, especially in the fifth issue. But, uh, once, once you guys, issue, once you guys read it, once, once it gets on your schedule, you can, uh, let me, uh, let me know what you think. Cause oh, when I, the collected uh, edition comes out, it's going to be on my schedule. Yeah. Uh, excellent. Yeah. Respect. It's it's good, and I tell you, if if anyone out there hasn't read Sleeper, um, probably they're actually being repackaged thanks to Wildstorm. We, we, they're being we re-released. My hand. Oh, <laughs> really, J- J- Jason? Yes. It's it's one one of my favorite all time series. It yeah. is. It, it's and, it's definitely one. I I, I zero doubt that I'll, I'll, I'll I have no doubt that I'll love it. I mean, I I, I love Brew Baker and Phillips and adore Criminal, and and I'm liking. It's Chris's you know, fault talk, that I read you know, Point Blank. Stuff. Which is the kind of like the origins Believe of in. sleep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. it's um, Brubaker. I mean, Brubaker's a big time writer now. It, obviously, his Captain America stuff is is brilliant and has really recaptured that character. 
sleeper for me for me is the my favorite thing that he's ever written cool i like that and you know what it's grounded in the wildstorm universe too which is extra yep. cool oh yeah it's uh um uh, chase have you ever uh have you ever read the um alan moore wildcat stuff with tau yeah. mm-hmm. i have Ta- yes. tau is the the big bad in sleeper oh interesting and i guess i don't it, need to read sleeper anymore oh you should do no. That's not a revelation. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, that, yeah, no, that's, no, that's cool. okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it's right, it's right from the get go. Is that? Is oh, that, neat. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. Tao runs the organization that mm-hmm. Holden, the the main character, oh, is. What a good thing. He, he, he yeah. is a. Oh, yeah. There you go. Um, he is a a sleeper agent, a super powered sleeper agent, and it gets into a okay. bunch a bunch of other stuff. But it mm-hmm. is it's it's hardcore violent. It is really a uh, you know a, a Vertigo or Max style in its in its language and violence. But it's in the Wildstorm universe and was awesome. the uh, The real bummer about it is that it didn't sell very well, and when Criminal was um, being solicited and 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 Brubaker was on his on his big um, PR um, push for it. He really didn't want to um, um, to mention Sleeper much or, or refer to Criminal as you know featuring the creative team from Sleeper because he didn't want to scare retailers off from ordering it because Sleeper didn't sell very well. Um, oh, but, interesting. Yeah, it's but. but which is sad because it's it's one of my one of my favorite all time series. Yeah, awesome. but he can still he still does mention. I mean, he's I mean, as soon as you get to the back matter of pretty much anything he and Sean work on, he mentions Sleeper. So it's still something he loves, and he still he figures. I oh, guess yeah. I won't talk about it when I'm promoting it. But now that you have <laughs> Criminal in your hand, why don't you go check out an earlier work Sean Phillips and I worked on, and and go well get by Sleeper. now they've passed the audition with Criminal. Oh, yeah. yeah. You're not going to take that (laughs) away from So they're pretty much accepted. But a couple Mm -hmm. things. Miss Misery is my wife. Damn it. (laughs) Brubaker must know my wife because he has her down. But anyway. That's hilarious. Or you did, Vince. I I do think that it's the the heavy's name is pronounced Dow. So that would be even more up Jason's wheelhouse. T-A-O is pronounced Dow. Yeah. Oh, oh, t- oh, Dow and not t- not T. I'm pretty sure, yeah. So even that's even farther up Jason's buttocks because he's all about the Dow. And uh, what else was I, I got? Nothing. I am not about the well, Dow, dude. I I found something. <laughs> out. You're not. Uh, no, <laughs> you're all, you're Mr. Nasdaq, <laughs> dude. The Dow is an archaic <laughs> index that means nothing anymore. But oh, go ahead. Pre- look at him dropping the science. Uh, well, uh, there is a collected edition of Incognito that I think it was solicited last previews, and this previews I do believe that there was a collected uh, criminal, an omnibus of everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. Get on that. Cool. Uh, go back to Jessica Drew real yes. quickly. Newsflash. She was born in London, England. Damn. That would make her British. Dun dun dun. Okay. Granted, I just, being I, like a quadruple I, agent, maybe some things you know should have yeah, exactly. the well, be eluded. But I don't recall them ever implying that. I mean, they may have mentioned it in a pet. I don't recall them ever implying that in the original series that she was British. But well, there are telltale well, signs. She, like when she, she fights, she leaves her pinky out. Oh Jesus! She. Uh, she keeps <laughs> I mean, her her, her origins her origins do um, tie into uh, Wondergore. 
and 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 you know, so so there is a, a European, um, uh, like I said, origin to to her. So neat. See, well, I, learned yeah, something. I don't know that I I don't see what. No, I'm not saying that that that, <laughs> no, that that means that. So it's but there it's not like it's it's unheard of that it's not like she just showed up in in California or something. She sure sure sure. Right. I got your yeah. yeah. And I she's get hot. You. Damn hot, dude. As long as Alan Milgram's not drawing her with the short hair, absolutely. You got that right. Hey, guys. It's Matt, a.k.a. Blazefire33. And I know I'm a few weeks behind on this, but I finally picked up issues one and two of Chew. And I got to say, they were amazing. I really enjoyed the artwork and the storyline. And if you haven't picked it up yet, you got to go out and get it. All right. That's it for now. Talk to you later. Peace. I got something, something. She's something, something guy. I, know, I got, I, what you got, I got a lot of something, somethings. But the you, first, you do. the first thing is a little bit lengthy. So humor me a little okay. bit. So we should strap it, in and just get yeah, a little bit. Drinks and but I'll tell you, it does have a Marvel angle to it. It actually this, begins and ends. Are you going to school us? Or are we going to sit here and is it Professor Vince to turn? No, 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 no. It's a book. It's called. It, it begins. Oddly enough, with Stan Lee, and it kind of sort of ends with Stan Lee too. Oh, but it it, it actually work. has very little to do with Marvel. No, it's uh, a book from the uh, Head Press. They're a British publisher. It's called the Complete Illustrated History of the Skywald Horror Mood. You know how much I love Skywald magazines, the uh, Night Nightmare Psycho. Scream, all those beautiful black and white horror magazines that came out around the same time as the Marvel black and white horror magazines and, of course, Warren. Well, this is an exhaustive history of the publishing company. The writing is attributed to Alan Hewitson, but he actually did very little writing in this book. It's basically interviews with him and his time at the company. He was the man who eventually rose to the position of editor-in-chief at Skywalt. So it's a first-person account of the trials and tribulations of publishing horror magazines in the 70s. It's, a, it's awesome. It's a, it's a fantastic book. It's 256 pages. It was published in 2004. List price is $24.95. I got it through Amazon Market price, uh, Marketplace for a lot less than that. See, used and it's in perfect condition. But anyway, all begins with Stan Lee in the late 60s. Al Hewitson, who was living in Canada at the time, was a comic book fan, began publishing his own fanzines. So he wrote a letter to Mr. Stan Lee and asked him for an interview. And Stan agreed. So Alan made the trip to New York, had a couple-hour interview session with Stan, uh, who introduced him to the Marvel bullpen at the time, which included Saul Brodsky. There's another name you should pay attention mm-hmm. to. Uh, and a couple of days later, after he returned home to Canada, he gets a phone call, and it's Sal Brodsky. And he tells uh, Al that Stan was so enamored and so impressed with his knowledge of comics and his performance that Stan offered him a six-month position as his assistant. Whoa. Yeah, there's a dream come true for a lot of people. So, of course, Al took the job, moved to New York, and he was charged with the tasks of answering fan mail, and writing uh, letter column responses, which uh, I don't think it's a big surprise to anyone that Stan did not write all those, or uh, you know, neither did all of the uh, authors of the comics in which the letters appeared, except for Roy Thomas. 
Roy Thomas was adamant that he composed his own responses to the letter, to the, every letter that he got. Okay. And he said, uh, Al Hewitson said that of all the letters that Marvel received for any comic books, it was always Roy Thomas's magazines that received the most letters, and they were the most literate and well-written letters. So there's a little bit of data for you. Al was also in charge of sending out comp copies to all the writers and artists. He was the dude that awarded the no prizes. And it, he's calling me right now. No, it's not Al. I don't know who it is. <laughs> uh, let me see who it is. It's your baby oh, mama. you pain in the ass. No, it's not. Um, remember Daddy that? Faye. No. Remember that Fumetti of the Marvel bullpen that appeared in the Fantastic Four annual? The photographs with so. the word balloons over them, and it was a day in the life of Marvel Comics. Stan was in it, uh, all the bullpen. That was Al Hewitson's idea. Oh. Yes, and he took the photographs, too. So Al has his, his uh, career in comic book magazine publishing is grounded in Marvel. I don't think if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Stan, who knows? Maybe the guy never would have got a job. So Skywald is the success of, in quotes, in success, because they weren't really all that successive, uh, successful compared to Warren. So Skywald hinges on Marvel. It all begins with Marvel. So, so after Marvel, Hewitson went to work for Jim Warren, a volatile individual if there ever was one, and he began writing for Eerie and Creepy, and oddly enough, once Skywald popped up under the editorship of Sal Brodsky, who had left Marvel at the time, to work for his own publisher, Skywald, but then he went back to Marvel and helmed their overseas publishing division. Mm-hmm. So, so when Sal Brodsky left Skywald, who did he bring in? But Al Hewitson, because he knew him from Marvel. He knew what he was capable of. In the interim, though, Al wrote a couple of stories for Skywald, and they were very popular. But still working at Warren at the time, Jim Warren demanded that all his freelancers sign a loyalty oath or oh, give a, a verbal, no, really, give a verbal loyalty oath that they would swear fealty to Warren and they would not work for any other publisher in the business. Jim Warren demanded this of the people that worked for him, and Al Hewitson said, screw you. So he went to Skywald. Good and for him. Event- yes, and he eventually worked his way up the, uh, the chain and became editor-in-chief. But Jim Warren hated his competitors, and none more so than Skywald. Absolutely loathed them, so much so that in the 1972 New York Comic Book Convention booklet, he attacked uh, Skywald, claiming that uh, he bestowed upon them the Xerox Award. And it read, to To Skywald Publishing, whose apings of creepy and eerie, in the form of Psycho and Nightmare, gave no new meanings to uh, whatsoever to the word imitate. So, yes, and it's been said in many circles that Jim Warren was a prick and incredibly difficult to work for. And this is just wow, one I didn't think I had any relatives in the comic industry. Yeah, you, you're Jewish. You must. <laughs> but, no, a fantastic book. Some of the things contained herein, I'll be brief, because there's a lot. It details the creation of Hewitson's fan-favorite stories and continuing series like the Saga of the Victims, the Human Gargoyles, the H.P. Lovecraft-inspired Shugath series, along with inspiration, background info, production tales, fan reaction to the stories, and a hell of a lot more. Uh, goes into his vehement dislike of the heap, which loses oh, him points wow. in my uh, yeah. opinion. His escapades and anecdotes on Skywald Publishers and Head Hansero's Herschel and Israel Waldman. 
he tells about designing the uh, thematic and physical appearance of the horror mood titles. He he was the Archie Goodwin of Skywalt. He uh, set the pace as far as the content. He would sit and paste up the covers himself. He designed the look and feel of the magazines. And did you know this? And this, I guess, this was going on at Warren too. They would commission covers from, say, Ken Kelly, and you know, buy a Frazetta, uh, the rights to reprint a Frazetta painting. And then, after the fact, they would write stories and have them illustrated around the covers. Like the the, the stories were almost after the fact. It was the covers that they were really going after. I found that fascinating. That that's like working backwards. Well, DC did that. Back in the in the sixties, Car- um, Carmine, I think Julie Schwartz, Tom's mentioned it before that 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 they came up with a cover idea and the story was built based on the cover. That's really odd, isn't it? That's a strange yeah, way to. Yeah, to I, mean, it, yeah. I mean, well, you know, in a way, that's kind of what Image just did with the whole Frazetta project, which right, right, I mean, you're was, right. You know, building a story around a Frazetta painting, but. And it's a little little different whenever it's you know an obvious tribute to a master a master painter and illustrator as opposed to just how you make comics right it goes into the book goes into his love of Harvey Kurtzman, who he corresponded with Wally Wood, whom he worked for along with Nicola Cudi. hey his, yes, and his winner. sometimes sickly sweet worship of Stan Lee I mean. Stan is deified in a lot of chapters in, in this book. Do you want to hear what he had to say about Stan? Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's a little over the top. I must tell you Can't that I liked... Can't be any worse than a new mutant post. <laughs> I liked and respected Stan very much, and we never had any quarrel over anything at all. He wrote me a very nice letter of reference after I left, and in fact, we were going to do a book, Children's Letters to Marvel Comics. Stan was even-tempered. He doesn't have a hyphen in that. Uh, You know, that's a really big deal in any office environment and necessary for any really good editor. So he's gun-shy from (laughs) working with James Warren. And and he was pleasant and easy to work for. He was a dynamo. He modernized comics and was continuing this process when I worked there in 1969. Was Was the only human being I ever knew who talked like he wrote. Stan was the only adult I've ever known who could hold a perfectly lucid conversation about some bizarre comic book situation Spider-Man and the Hulk was in, as if they were completely real, without cracking a self-conscious smile to betray he was talking about costume superheroes. As far as he was concerned, for the purposes of that conversation, superheroes were absolutely real, most disarming. An absolutely consummate professional, Stan, and this is in italics, earned his highly respected position in comics. He was a hard worker, a highly creative writer, and a first-rate editor. So that sounds about right to me. Uh, yeah, sounds go, pretty good. You go, Stan. Hey, we wouldn't be sitting here doing this tonight if it wasn't for the man. Who, who else would know except this guy who works with him, Renz? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Oh, I'm I'm not doubting it. I'm not doubting it. I'm just saying it may be a little hyperbolic, just a little. <laughs> because um, because Vin, because Vince would never fall into the trappings of hyperbole when it comes to certain creators. Never. Even 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 some that may have worked with Stan. I'm as even tempered as Stan himself. <laughs> also goes into his friendship and correspondence with Dr. Frederick Wortham, the author of the infamous Seduction of the Innocent. 
friendship with Wortham? Yes, wow. yes. And Hewitson no, paints I a did, picture. I did kind of like this guy. but No, <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, he paints a picture of Wortham as a misunderstood and misinterpreted vilified figure. Kind, kind, kind of like the, the picture that Wortham painted about comics. We'll see. If you read the book, Wortham did not call for censorship. He was saying that there are... I, I haven't read Seduction of the Innocent in a long time. He was saying that there are certain things that were common to these troubled children, and one of the things that was common was they all read these horror comics. Right. And, and so he just took it to its logical conclusion. He may have been a little overzealous in it, but according to Wortham, or sorry, according to Hewitson, uh, Wortham was a very honest, caring person who genuinely cared about the children. And from what he details in the book, uh, Wortham lived in misery after he published that. I mean, he was attacked by so many people verbally and and, uh, in in both print and in in public that he almost regretted writing the book after after it became too much for him. But, I mean, I'm not going to go into it all. You can read the book because it's worth it. It, Again, very important facet of comic book publishing. Worth them. That's that's big doings. Um, There are color reproductions of every cover Skywald every ever published wow. nightmare yes Very on the inside cool. inside front and back covers you see all the nightmare psycho scream the short-lived hell rider including the unpublished cover to the third issue which they were kaput by then and crime machine there's a complete skywall checklist of every story every creative team that worked on that story um every character that appeared what issue they in which they appeared um, along with corresponding info and anecdotes, there's a examination of the publisher's fleeting foray into four-color comics, which almost brought them down. And, and this is why I say their publishing career ended with Marvel 2, it was Marvel's distributor that put the kibosh mm-hmm. on Skywald because the distributor would strong-arm the news agents. Uh, and tell them that if they carried Marvel's books, which were by far the most popular and best-selling books at the time, they had to turn the smaller publishers away or they wouldn't give them whatever kind of contract it was to distribute the books. So it was Marvel's distributor that squashed Skywald and, to a lesser extent, Warren. Another interesting fact from comic books. It goes into Skywald's classic adaptations of Poe and Lovecraft stories, and if that were not enough, 19 original Skywald stories, 19 <laughs> count them stories. Uh, there are profiles on Sid Shore, Al Feldstein, who, whom Hewitson called one of the most miserable men I have ever met in my life. And on the flip side, he calls Bill Gaines one of the most delightful. Oh, just Gary, like Stan. Gary Friedrich. <laughs> of Star Reach is profiled. Wow, yeah, okay. There are artist profiles on Gene Day, Pablo Marcos, Tom Sutton, who worked at Skywald oh. under a pseudonym to escape Jim Warren's loyalty oath. There's an unpublished story and a profile on Dennis Fujitake from Dalgoda, nice. yep. who completed a, I think it's an eight or ten page story, but unfortunately the publisher went under before it could be published. Mm-hmm. Cesar Lopez, just tons. It, it, if they worked with Skywald, they're profiled in this book. Unfortunately, and it's one of the beefs I have with the book, Tom Sutton's contribution is almost entirely glossed over. I don't okay. know why. For whatever reason, they do maybe a paragraph maybe on him. Beef. 
I don't know. But you just don't gloss over one of the best horror artists the medium has ever seen. Well, so I'm looking here on Amazon. This book uh, is not a new book. It came out in 2004? Yes. Okay. What made you... Did you just kind of come across it searching for it, or did you... No, I have always wanted it, but I'm too cheap to shell out the 2495, so I just happened to notice that there was one on the marketplace for less than half that. So with shipping, I think I got it for like 16 bucks. So it, I, it, w- it would eventually be in my library. It just came a little bit later than sooner. But mm-hmm. uh, another thing that bugged me about the book, Hewitson has a bit of a self-congratulatory tone in his interviews. Like he calls his saga of the victim stories the first horror graphic novel, which is kind of a bit of a stretch. I mean, thematically, it was six stories which appeared over the course of six different issues. Mm-hmm. And... Marvel and DC have been doing that way before 1970 with their horror characters, especially sure. Marvel. So calling that, I mean, you could pull six issues of, say, Man-Thing and call that the first horror graphic novel. Just because there, there were six stories that continued over the course of six issues, he's stretching it a bit. But amazing book. If you are at all interested in horror comics or the Bronze Era of comic publishing, you need to read this book. It, calling it exhaustive is an understatement. Everything you ever wanted to know about Skywald is presented in this book. I give it a big, a big uh, hairy thumb up. Well, let me yeah. ask you this, Vince. How would you compare the Skywald horror magazines to their more famous um, counterparts, uh, you know, of the, the Eeries the and the Warren. Creepies and that stuff? I mean, how would yeah. you compare them in terms of quality, um, availability, well, tone? I think... Yeah, I think on uh, as far as quality is concerned, they were on a par with Jim Warren stuff. Sure. Mm-hmm. Especially w- maybe not the first couple years of Warren because when you corral all those EC artists, nobody's going to compare to those guys. Mm-hmm. But once the uh, Filipino artists took over, they're pretty much on an even keel, yeah, mm-hmm. and which, which translates to both fantastic. Th- those artists were amazing in their own right, but the the Warren stuff was more traditional in terms of things that go bump in the night, your zombies, your 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 you know Frankenstein monster and your vampires. But the Skywald stuff, with a few exceptions, was kind of more psychological horror, more visceral. Uh-huh. So the 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 uh, thrust was different, but they they all arrived at the same destination. They they were both horror magazines that. Uh, pretty much terrified me as a kid. Yeah, they still do. They're great, just amazing books. I wish the Skywald stuff was collected. There are a few uh, assorted comics here and there. I think Eclipse did a collected uh, um, saga of the victims and the, the human gargoyle story have been collected in comic book form. But as a, there's never been a, an archival pro- project collecting the Skywald books, which is just kind of a shame, really. Ghost yeah, Skywald. I, I suck because my when I hear Tom Sutton, yeah, for various reasons, but right now the, the main one is when uh, when I hear Tom Sutton, I think of his uh, of his work on uh, Star Trek when DC published it, which of Sutton, course was much later in his career. Talk about a disturbing and disturbed gentleman. Yeah, uh, Sutton had a lot of emotional. I guess issues you can issues, call them. Issues, dude. Issues. Yes. Issues. E- issues. There's a long interview with him in an issue of the Comics Journal, and for our cartoonist profiles, I plan on doing a Tom Sutton. So we'll go into that 
at a later date. But yeah, Sutton's one of my all-time favorite horror artists. A long article in Comics Journal? No way. <laughs> it's really long. <laughs> I, I think it was the last interview he ever did too, before he uh, he died. And oddly enough, anybody that's addicted to Ambien, if you want to break it, just pick up a Comics Journal. Oh. <laughs> um. As far as Al Hewitson goes, he died during the production of this book. So he did not live to see it. Oh, did he really? Re- really? Yes. I didn't know that. Yes. Wow. In, in fact, his wife sent parts of interviews that he would had typed up to the uh, editor posthumously. So it's a fitting tribute to the, the man uh, known as Archaic Alan Hewlettson, uh, his publishing uh, outfit, of Skywald and all of the artists and writers and creative types that uh, worked on their books. It's a great little book. Seek it out. Like, if you don't know anything about Skywald, you damn will after you're done reading this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Chris Chavez, Equinox again. Um, my wife added, she said, you got to get Stephanie Meyer and Robert Pattinson. Um, around comics before she can let me go. So, um, if you can just keep that in mind, that'd be great. Thanks a bunch, guys. Alright. Remember, spark the people. Bye. Now, now, and this has absolutely nothing to do with this except for the connection to Saul, but is there anything on there? I doubt there's anything in there about Solson. No. I didn't think so. No, um, it just says that um, Saul went back to Marvel. Okay. And because if, if we never much... heard about Skywall, he's probably never heard of Solson. Right. Can't say that I have. Keywords: Raiders. Rich Buckler. Yes. See, after Solson is is a play on words because it's it's a uh, it was a publisher that was founded by uh, was it Gary Gary Brodsky who is Saul Brodsky's son. Okay. So the S O L S O N and it yeah. yeah. But whenever whenever I hear Brodsky's name aside from his his Marvel work, I often think of of Solson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Publisher of such wonderful wonderful comics as Reagan's Raiders. Yes. And uh, Rich Buckler's what was that? How to Draw Comics? Didn't he have a How to yeah, series? He did. He did. He did. And by that time, Rich Buckler should never have been publishing a How to series. <laughs> no. <laughs> love love oh, the guy's work, but I remember him from the play. Sin Eater storyline and the death of Gene DeWolf, but that's about it. Didn't they also publish Samurai Penguin? Wasn't that a Solson book? There was a Samurai Santa. Or was that Zatochi Walrus? I think it was the Walrus, yeah. But anyway, so yeah, that's one thing I read. I have something else, but I want to hear from one of you guys before I get into it. Because it's going to send Jason into a tizzy. He's going to get all oh. hot and bothered. I oh, shit. <laughs> can't wait. Jeff Loeb. <laughs> no, it's not Jeff oh. Loeb. Oh, so, right. What else are we reading, dudes? Yeah, what do you guys got? Chris, let's hear from you. Um, I haven't read it yet, so this always annoys Tom. He's like, you're going to talk gonna say, about I a book. picture Tom you're, in you're gonna, right now. You're going to talk about a book you haven't But it's actually came on the recommendation of a lot of people, uh, especially Chris Burnham. And uh, and I've been looking for a collection of this for a while, and it was sitting there at Dark Tower tonight. And I was like, I am going to get this. I uh, finally picked up uh, Jack Staff. Everything used to be black and white. Okay. Wow. Yep. So I'm going to dive into some Jack Staff this weekend. Um, actually, Paul not- Grist. Before you get into something else, I just want to uh-huh. drop some a, a nice warm blanket of love on Paul Grist. 
Oh, mm-hmm. I, I am fascinated with his style. I think he's an amazing... Um, cartoonist? Cartoonist, yes, getting back to last week. Very much in the same vein as Alex Toth. Those okay, are crazy, confident, assured lines. He has a, a game plan. He knows what he's going to do, and he is so confident that when he puts them down, I mean, I don't know the, the production process, but it looks to me like he just slaps them down, and they look gorgeous. I love that man's use of blacks. Yes. Cool. Nice. Paul nice. Grist, yeah. love him. I'm I'm looking very much forward to it. Uh, something that is is not comic books, but is definitely comics culture that I've been meaning to talk about. Um, are any of you guys uh, Doctor Who fans, uh, new school or old school? Yes. Neither. New school. I'm uh, both schools. Do you watch? Have you watched Torchwood? Hell yeah. Have you seen the uh, the the mini series no. uh, Torchwood Children of Earth? I heard it's the shit. It it. If you're a fan of Doctor Who and more the new school Doctor Who, it's you know it, it's it's British sci-fi, which is uh, a lot of fun. It's it's gonna there's gonna be um, um, a little a little corniness to it sometimes, but it, it's just it's it's Doctor Who and and I love it and it's a great series. Well, there's a spinoff called Torchwood, which is in the Doctor Who universe, but it's kind of sexed up a little bit. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. um it's it's not as playful as as Doctor Who is. It's it's a little it's a little sexier, a little bit more adult. And and I didn't really love it when it first started, but then I started to get into it a little bit, and it has gotten progressively better as it's gone. Well, the third season, instead of a full season, it is a five-episode miniseries that just played on BBC America, and it was five nights in a row. It's called Children of Earth, and it is available on DVD and available on Blu-ray, and it was fantastic. It was uh, high-drama but it it did what sci-fi when sci-fi is good is whenever it makes you look into the mirror of your own your own society your own culture and you know the the enemy is not always the aliens it's 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 us and and children of earth did that and it did it really really well for uh for a sci-fi tv series and the last thing and then i'll let somebody else go which brings me to a movie i saw this last week if you've not seen district nine you need to see that movie <laughs> oh because i can't wait to see it yeah it, i want to see it this weekend i think it i mean amazing absolutely uh, absolutely fantastic uh, piece of filmmaking. Uh, absolutely unexpected. I, you know, I went in, didn't really know what to expect. I figured, you know, Pete Jackson's made a fun, you know, aliens movie. I had no idea what to expect. One of the one of the best sci-fi movies I've ever seen because the 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 heavy amount of social commentary on it was. It, I mean, it's a it's a great film. So oh, let's be fair though. Pete Jackson mm-hmm. didn't make the movie. No, he produced, he produced it. it. Yeah, yeah. He, he produced it. Yeah, I mean, if, if it that... wasn't for him, it would never have gotten made. But yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah, he, his was the name that was attached to it that kind of made my ears perk up. But mm-hmm. yeah, I forget the guy's name who wrote and directed it. But um, it, it it's it's a it's a special it's a special little movie, and uh, I hope I hope people see it. it it's a it's a sci-fi movie that I think I could take my wife to, and she would get some enjoyment out of it 
Wow, that's saying Very a lot. Cool. I've heard the movie compared to a lot of what I consider top shelf films, like Alien yeah. and, and Aliens. They mm. say they say it's in that classic ballpark, along with the the first two Alien movies. I've also heard it, uh, read it, sorry, compared to two thousand one, as a kind of game changer. You know, I the if if Gene Roddenberry were thirty years old now and had the technology that we have available today i think he would be making movies like district nine um instead of instead of star trek yeah start start and that's one of that's that i i would say that's probably the biggest reason besides shatner being a stud um as to why star trek has stayed so relevant for so long is because it was yeah, it was sci-fi, but it was it was as much social commentary as it ever was science fiction. Right. And that's why those stories still resonate today. I mean, they talked about slavery and and um racial tensions and different political uh situation. I mean, they for that show to have a a a Russian and Chinese, you know, bridge crew and a, a black woman and all of that stuff was amazing. And and District Nine has some has some very Roddenberry social commentary. It was it was fantastic. Right. Well, why do you think zombie films are so popular? Oh, not not because commentary. right, yeah. not because there's a lot of great zombie movies. Uh, made, but because George Romero had the bright idea to uh, do a, a, a horror film, which was really a, a film on social commentary. So if you ground the film in in something that the audience can relate to, like Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead, uh, yeah, they they become classics because they're universally um, understood. That's what I'm hearing about this District Nine thing. It's yeah, it's, same it's badass. Yeah, it was, it was awesome. awesome. Can't wait to see it. Wow, I was going to go, but it was just a hell of a weekend. Uh, the, the, yeah, I was a little busy myself. Kids are playing football already in 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 high school, uh, not high school, uh, mm-hmm. middle school. What's the deal with that? It's like freaking August, <laughs> dude. Uh, my Colin starts his uh, first year of football uh, next month. I'm so freaking giddy. <laughs> can't deal, can't good, deal with it, dude. Good for you. When was the last time you walked out of a um, not just a sci you know, not just a sci fi movie, but just a movie in general that made you think for like several days that stuck with you and Well uh, how long ago was it that Wolverine came out? Oh Jesus. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Didn't you, did it make you guys think about life, the universe and everything? Yeah, how yeah, not to make exactly. a movie. <laughs> oh, <damn>. The last <laughs> femur. Uh, I can't remember the last time I, I thought that hard coming yeah. out of a movie. Maybe yeah. Cloverfield. Okay, yeah. Oh, but that it's, was more about the, the the influence of new media on, on exactly. films. Exactly, it was not, a not great so much. marketing campaign. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good stuff. What do you guys, uh, before we, we, I was just thinking about this, David, We were when we were talking about the, uh, a little bit earlier we talked about the, um, you know, comic book covers just briefly, and it, it had me thinking of something you posted on the forums about. Um, I guess it's been a little brouhaha because one of the uh, is it the site that should not be named, or is it CBR? I don't, I forget which it was, but you, the, you can say Newsarama. What, but is it that site? I don't remember which site it was specifically, but one of them posted. Uh, I guess Diamond, the cover of previews this month has the cover of the. Uh, that yeah, that's and and when. 
Yeah, and and when you mentioned that there's no reason for you to read Sleeper now, I was going to say that there's, I guess, there's really no reason for you to read the Black. Right. Well, that's what made me think of it. So, yeah, Uh, and and it it just made me. For those that don't know, there's a little bit the apparently the cover of this month's previews, you know, which Diamond puts out, um, is is on the cover is the cover art for the that month's issue of uh, Blackest Night, and I, I, I don't know which five. issue that is. Okay, yeah. And allegedly, it it, it reveals pretty clearly the quote-unquote big bad. Um, if you don't know who that is, I won't spoil that, but it, it, it supposedly reveals the big bad. There's been some consternation about, oh, thanks for spoiling it, so forth, so on, but, you know, at the same point in time, Diamond's only putting out a cover that DC's putting out, so it, I don't right. know if you can blame Diamond. They're, they have an agreement with, with DC to, that half of the covers each year on previews are DC books, so you know DC gets to pick that. But it had me thinking, though, because you were talking about this, is that you know, I kind of feel like comic book companies are a little bit damned if they do, damned if they don't about that these days, because I know I'm not alone in, in, in missing the old days when comic books actually were part of the story. You know, I mean, when when you would look at a cover and actually be able to tell what was going on in that specific issue, you know, it would have who they were fighting and even have some dialogue boxes. <laughs> even even mm-hmm. though, Jason, you know as well as I do that 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 fifty percent of the time the cover story would be nothing what was actually inside the comic. Yeah, well, I'm talking about right. I mean, I'm talking about back in the you know the '80s and stuff and the '70s when it was much more evocative of actually what was in the book before they got creative with the with the marketing and stuff. But but clearly these days that's not the case. In fact, I think there's even a, a, a mantra at the big two not to have word balloons and stuff on covers. But but um, it just got me thinking that the the brouhaha essentially because the cover of the Blackest Night gives away the villain and, and and mentions the villain's name and everything. I'm thinking. But isn't that exactly what we supposed comic book fans say we miss about covers? Is that they actually pertain to what's happening inside the book? So <laughs> I just I, I wonder if it's sort of like, if you do that, if you don't. But also to be fair, the world has changed now, and it's not you know we talk a lot about how not that many people actually read previews, but a lot of comic book fans see solicits either on the, the company sites or on the web, on you know, Newsarama, CBR, or the like. And so I understand that you, it's different, but I, I do feel it's a little bit of a mixed bag because I don't know that having that particular villain on the cover of issue five of a miniseries is that big a deal because if you don't read solicits, you're not going to be spoiled by it. If you do read solicits, you're kind of used to that anyway. I don't know that knowing that is changing your enjoyment of the story. I mean, I've assumed that was who the big bad was from Jump That's- Street, so... That's why I don't read previews. But you'll be spoiled I, when you get to the shop that Wednesday. I mean, unless it's revealed at the end of issue four. Yeah. I mean, if it's I, at the end of issue four, then the, then the cover of issue five isn't, isn't a surprise. I, 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 know, I know what I'm going to be. I don't usually read that many solicits, even though um, I read the, uh, the, <laughs> the solicit for uh, we're, we're going from Blackest Night to Black Night. The solicit for the Black Knight miniseries sounds fucking awesome. Oh, you're not kidding. And it's produced by a pair of A-listers like Tom DeFalco and Ron mm-hmm. Friends. How could you not buy that? I know. Is it um, uh, is it A-listers? Ax- yes, I said A-listers. Yes, A-listers. Yes. Yes. Is it, uh, Absolutely. It, should, my does, friend. It, does it take place in, um, in, in medieval times? Yes, it looks not, like it not, does. Not the, not the uh, theme restaurant, but the actual time yeah. period. Well, Merlin's on the front of it, and it talks okay. about werewolves, vampires, and demons and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. yeah. I'm in. Oh, you're not, not kidding. That's yeah, that sounded awesome. But you know what? I am easily swayed by solicitations. In fact, 
the book I'm going to talk about in a little while, I would not have bought these issues had I not seen a preview of the art on, I think it was Newsarama. And I said, holy crap, that looks really good. No, no. I said, that looks really good. It looks uh, like a lot of fun. Uh, I saw the covers. And I, I appreciated them for what they were, but they weren't enough to get me to buy the books. But the interior art, yikes, was nice. So I bought them. So solicitations work. There's a there's a, a place for them. I like them. I know some people don't. A lot of people kind of don't. Right, Vince. But. What I'm saying is where do you stand on the idea of this brouhaha? Do you think that the company should take more pain to to avoid what some would deem a spoiler? I, I mean, that doesn't bother me in the least. I, I think that I have faith that John's wouldn't have uh, in other words i get the sense that if if that cat's already out of the bag then it's not it's not a, it's not integral to yeah you know john's well, isn't stupid enough to have to have let that slip i think he's of the mind of well dudes this is really not a big deal anyway is it is, it is it is it going to stop people from buying the book no i don't think okay. it'll stop not the intelligent ones yeah uh, but you know, that's it. Let's let's throw a, a stone at Marvel for a second too. Marvel kind of did the same thing with the cover of Amazing Spider-Man showing Menace pregnant. Yeah, that that yeah. was released way before um, they. Mm-hmm. Th- it was made known that she was. And they have the cover, and then the solicit even said something like, "You'll never guess who's pregnant." Right. What? Well, duh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I got a good guess. <laughs> but yeah, I'm trying to sympathize and put myself in the position of someone who's actually reading The Blackest Night. Would I have been ticked? I don't know. I I I, I take it on a case by case basis. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Dude, Blackest Night number two was pretty sweet though. Yeah. I just I kept I kept waiting for for. Black Lantern Aquaman to say you're the one that's lame. I just I want him to say that so bad. Dude, I like it. Sword. They spent a lot of time on on the Aquaman family. It was cool. Aquaman is badass in that. Aquaman was yep. always badass. Mm-hmm. I got to say something. Uh, Peter Peter Rios, uh, our buddy at uh, Comic Geek Speak, he um, they reviewed Blackest Night uh, too, and he said something mm-hmm. that that definitely struck him. You know, Peter's a huge Titans fan. I mean, he is to Titans as uh, you know, Thomas to the Flash. I mean, he he loves he loves the Titans, and uh, mm-hmm. he was saying that you know he realized in reading Blackest Night two, and this is spoilers for people if if you haven't read Blackest Night two, but uh, as we know, there's a lot of dead people in Blackest Night two, so hopefully this isn't a, too big of a spoiler. But um, Tempest is is killed in the book, and uh, uh, and he's obviously a Titan, and 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 Peter said that you know he's Titans with his team, and he realized in reading Blackest Night two how numb he's become over the last few years about death in comics because. You know, ten years ago, if if Tempest gets killed, the comic book he's you know it's freaking huge. He's like baffled by it. It would it would be a big deal. But as he's reading this book, it was like, oh, okay, Tempest is dead. He'll be back. You know, <laughs> so he'll be back. It might be a year. It might be ten years, but he'll come back. I mean, he's not. Yeah. You know, oh, sure. And uh, I just thought that that was a, good, a fair, very good point. I want to give credit where credit's due because I had a similar thought, but he he articulated it, and I thought that that's that kind of had the same feeling. I was sort of nonplussed by the death in, in Blackest Night, I guess, because oh, geez, I just well, don't... I mean, shit, Connor and Bart just came back. They died, like, last yeah. year. Yeah. yeah, I know it's been a couple... It has been a couple years, but, yeah, I mean, Connor and Bart are back, so... What's up, 11 o'clockers? It's Haas. Just wanted to say, hey, I'm enjoying the show. Chris Neesman, I'll give you a lot of shit, but you're a good guy. And thanks for taking my shit. You're a good guy. Even though you're not Rucker's number one fan and I am, but you know, whatever. You can't have everything. Um, that's about it. 
Uh, Vince, I just watched the um, first episode of season one of Doctor Who. I really enjoyed it. You should check it out. It's very Grant Morrison-y. I think you would enjoy it. All right, 11 o'clockers, I'm out. And remember that uh, I own the copyright to the name 11 o'clockers, and that's going to be trademarked in the little R in the circle and all that fun stuff. So later, and I will call you guys sometime to harass Chris Neesman because it's fun and someone has to do it. Bye. There was a pretty neat commentary on Blackest Night over at Tom Spurgeon's comic reporter site in in terms of they compared Blackest Night to Final Crisis where Final Crisis did not outsell the Marvel event books from the time. Like yeah. uh, Final Crisis number one didn't sell more than Secret Invasion number two or right. something yeah. something similar. Yeah. And then he compares that to Blackest Night because Final Crisis in his, or whoever wrote the article, in his opinion did not dish out the fanboy goodness as well as Blackest Night is. It seems to be pressing all the right buttons with the fanboys, and it still can't outsell Marvel's event books. Like Reborn outsold Blackest Night. Yeah. Well, it was just, but, and they were but, saying, but are, is DC doomed to always be number two? Who gives a shit? Well, it's something th- I, I, I give two fucks on, on who <laughs> is, sells more books. But write, it, good, write good stories. That's but it all is I a, care about. Right, but it is a pretty accurate barometer of of what comic mainstream comic fans want no it's 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 an accurate barometer of what a few shop owners deem more than a few i mean it's 50 percent market share to 30 it's i mean it's not well someone's someone's got to be reading these marvel comics the way everybody should i'm I'm not saying i'm not determining any kind of quality issues here i'm just saying by the numbers it it looks like it's incredibly difficult for dc to jump up into that top spot yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not shitting on quality it's it's what was number one in june vince I'm just so. Sad. I don't Batman know. Batman and Robin. One, Batman and Robin. But, right. Captain America 600 and Dark Avengers Uncanny X Men Utopia by uh, Assload. Yeah, they didn't well, go into well, that. What I think uh, is going to be awesome <laughs> is whenever we see Rebels and Outsiders and what are the other books that are going to be in Booster the top Gold. 10? And Booster Gold are all going to be top 10 books at the end of the year. Yeah, but will they stay top 10 books or no, will they go back but they, down? But they, but they will be for a month. Which What's, I guess is a nice consolation prize. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 yeah, sales are. Even though are, they need to, to hawk a plastic ring to do it. Yeah. But, I mean, again, yeah. I, I, I kind of spoke my piece on that in the forums. I just, uh, I think it's, it's, it's a nice idea. Uh, in t- the intention is there. I just think that it's a, uh, it's a it's you know, a, a, I love the idea of, of tchotchkes with comics. That's cool. Mini mates should have been given out with comics f- since they ever came up with the damn things. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, it, the art and story is are what should be pushing these books up because oh, a yeah. lot of the, a lot of those books, like Rebels, why isn't that a top ten book? Yeah, well, it's, it's going to be for a month, right? I think I think it's a wonderful promotion, and DC is probably going to sell an extra three or four hundred thousand comics over over the span of that. And for people that have, maybe haven't heard, the DC has a promotional 
uh, uh, program tied into the Blackest Night rings, like the Black Lantern ring, that if retailers order 50 copies of select comics like Rebels or Outsiders or Booster Gold, there's like six of them, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. then they can then they can order a bag of fifty uh, lantern rings of of different colors, and and you're gonna see in the sales charts over those few months some really oddball things going on. And you know I I think DC is, is doing an awesome awesome thing. It's who whatever marketing guy came up with that idea needs needs a bonus. I would not. Be surprised if it wasn't John's himself. I will see. I don't know. Yeah, uh, but but good yeah. on them. Well, I mean, I I I, I agree. It's that rings is a oh, very boy. poor idea. Uh, I think oh, that oh. Making, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to say that again it, because you got yeah, squashed. Repeat, Jason. Oh, I said I said I think that the idea of giving out these rings is a fantastic idea. I think making retailers buy artificially inflate the sales of books that they're going to that are going to let sit on their shelves and be sold for 50 cents a piece 6 months from now is is, is a poor is a poor no, they, way. No, they don't have to do that. They don't have make, make sure they do. If they want the rings well, they have to. They have two uh, choices. No, they, they no here, here's this they, here's they the deal. either buy 40 extra copies of the book that will, yep. won't sell to anybody and give away the rings or they can buy the copies and give them away for free either way they're shelling out 70 bucks that they wouldn't have shelled out. No, or no. What no, you, you, you want you want you want the ring? Said, Guys, yeah, but this is the problem, Chris. If if they what DC should have done it said these rings. Do you know? How, we all know how cheap it is to make these rings, right? It literally cost DC less than a buck to make fifty of these rings. <laughs> uh-huh. So what they should have said is, guys, we think giving away these rings would be a really cool promotion. You can buy as a retailer these rings uh-huh. for a buck for fifty cents and give them out. That's what they should have done. What? Then no. What? Uh, Jason. Jason. What does D? What does DC do? What are you talking about? What do they do? What? What? What is their business? Um. Selling and marketing comics about half as well. Selling comic books. <laughs> selling, nice. selling comic books. And what what you're going to see, what you should see, what I hope you see, is that, yeah, if you have to order 50 copies of Booster Gold to get the Indigo ring, well, you know what? You as the comic book customer, guess what you have to buy to get your Indigo ring? Booster Gold. How many of these uh, shops are going to transfer the cost of the increased output that they have to shell out to get those rings onto the customer like are, are there, what do you mean? I'm wondering if many stores will either give them away or charge the customers for the ring no, because buy, an extra buy, boost, f- buy buy booster gold get the ring I doubt if the rings were that expensive no but what that's not the point the rings could be a dollar for the bag but they yeah. have to buy an extra 40 copies to enable them to buy that bag of rings so will they transfer like it's just like variant covers in in our in our shop if you want the variant you have to pay what the shop owner has to add to his order to get the variant cover that's why a one in 50 variant is 50 bucks because they have to buy an extra 20 copies of the book to get even to be able to buy that variant right that's i I mean that's just just, how they do it at our shop i don't know how it works the rest of the you, you want this colored ring you you buy Outsiders number twenty six, and you get the ring for free, but you have to buy the books that that the retailers have to order extra copies of. I think it's pretty simple. In theory, yeah, but there's... Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I don't think most stores are going to do it that way, though. What, what do you think they're going to? You think they're going to basically scrap the books and then sell the rings for ten bucks? Well, they're going to have the books out on the shelf. No, they're going to. Uh-huh. The rings will promo. They'll give them away. I mean, I. I mean, I, if I wouldn't do if that. If they sell them with the books, then uh, then 
maybe it'll work. I mean, I'm, I think that would be the smart thing to do. I just if, I, if, if I were a retailer, you damn right. If I had to order these books to get these rings, that's what I'm going to. Yeah, if you I'm want gonna, a ring, you buy gonna, that book. Yeah, I'm going to well, use that the book with. Yeah, that I'm yeah. with. I think that'd be all right. I, I doubt that that's the way it's going to go down. In or fact, they can bypass the customer entirely and sell complete sets of rings on eBay for yeah. un- ungodly yeah. amounts well, of money. Yeah, they probably aren't supposed to do that. I'm mean, not to mean that that's going to stop them, but I, they probably are asked not to do that. Yeah, and at least only half of the the books are the uh, are 3.99. I mean, you're still unless they're upping the page count to like say rebels or outsiders. The only Booster Gold, Doom Patrol, and and uh, and Blackest Night are, are three ninety nine, and and the other three, I, I guess, would still be two ninety nine in November. So mm-hmm. it's not like they're not they're not only it, they're not trying to get you to buy a comic that wasn't part of the event to begin with, and now they're going to go ahead and okay, well now now this is November. See, because we only got the checklist for the first four months for right. for July, August, September, and October. So now this is November, and apparently. I guess DC, whether it was the DO or, or, or somebody at a panel, it, it was going to be, I guess, well, not self-contained because obviously that didn't happen as soon as the checklist went out. But I don't think like some <laughs> everything was supposed to either be in, in the miniseries or, or the one-shots, but now it's, it's trickling into the ongoings like Rebels, like Outsiders, like Justice League. And instead of, uh, instead of now, I guess, in, in quotes, forcing the, the reader or the person who's following the event to buy comics they might not normally buy, although I don't know why you wouldn't be reading Justice League if something like this is going on. But uh, at least they're not also bilking them out that extra buck for that month. It, you know, Outsiders is still two ninety nine. hopefully, in November. Right. What would have been cool is if they did a 90s-style giveaway where they actually – bag polybag the books with the rings included in the bag or have yeah heavy <laughs> that'd be, that'd be kind of so, cool you know, give it you the finger with the ring on this finger yeah yeah something like that <laughs> you know that'd be kind of neat but i hope that it works in the manner w- with which it was designed and it does boost a lot of these books because i think rebels really deserves yes it more it. more attention yeah so so if the uh, book resonates and it sticks great because that's why they're doing this. I hope it it'll works. be it'll be an interesting case study to see, um, like the three or four month after effect of what it does to the to the sales numbers on those books. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that after reading the advance solicits for what is it December that uh, mm-hmm. DC recently released, I am very pleased at my decision not to buy Blackest Night because there's just way too many oh, no, tie-ins. November, okay. There's way too many tie-ins for my taste. Yeah, but you don't need to read any of them to, to enjoy the actual series. Then why are they written? Well, we've talked about that many times because they'll Right, but it, if they're not integral to the story and it's just like this but, offhanded okay. glimpse you're of something that's... You're that, happy with your decision. It's one thing to be happy you decided not to buy into the tie-ins, but that's nothing at all to do with whether or not you should or or, or made a good decision in not buying the, the actual series right. as it comes out. I mean... I'm a comic totally book separate. fan and collector, and I am also obsessive compulsive to a certain degree. And I would have to have them all, and I would have to have read them all. And that's just <laughs> that's just way too friggin' much for me. So we're too much light well, because, well, that's, because I did. That's yeah, yeah. You get over I, that. And that's, I did pick up Blackest Night Superman tonight, and I, yeah, I told myself I wasn't going to do it. I was like, Well, I got to say, yeah, Blackest Night Batman uh, was pretty good. It was. It was pretty good. Yeah, I have to say, it was. What you read the Superman too? 
I didn't read the Superman. I read the Batman. No. Yeah. So it was pretty good. So if they ever decide to collect all this stuff in one big uh, mammoth, um, absolute blackest night, maybe I'll buy it. But I'm I'm not going to fork over for all these single issues. Ain't happening. Yeah. yeah. Oh, speaking of speaking of the the the, um, the blackest night um, Batman, uh, one thing that struck me in that, that was how well everyone that is writing the Damien and Dick Grayson team how well that is being carried throughout the the DCU right now everyone that's writing those two characters seems to seems to have a pretty consistent voice with it so yeah, just struck me as, as as pretty cool I'm calling you from Kapak outside my son's judo class and as I sat there in the car I opened a copy of G.I. Joe issue number 5 from IDW. Beautiful looking book. As I turned the beautiful pages, I got a paper cut. A paper cut. A paper cut on the cardstock cover. Curse you, IDW, on your 399 presentation. And now Abu is hurt. And now looking at my phone, I have no more battery. And I have used this call to call you and let you know that Abu is hurt. So please send help now. Curse you, IDW. Streams of blood. A boy's hurt. I would like to thank the person who contacted the emergency services. I have now been loaded into the ambulance. I bumped my head on the door on the way in. But I'm going to the right place to deal with the hurting of a boo. Because a boo is hurt. I've misplaced my copy of G.I. Joe. Issue number five. I heard it when I came in. I think the the ambulance driver may well have it. I've been sat now here on the gurney, and the ambulance has not moved in some time. And we are sat at the traffic light, and it is green, and many cars have passed us and honked their hooters. I think maybe he's partway through, or maybe tucking into some of the ads at the back of the book. IDW like to do that. Kosho IDW for cutting my finger with your paper. Beautiful hot stock cover. A boy's heart. Thank you for sending help now and on my way to hospital. Goodbye. So you gonna talk about what you've been dying to talk about here? Yeah, I guess so. I wanna get I wanna get y'all worked up. I had a most enjoyable comic book reading experience today. Oh boy. I did. I read two issues of a comic that I thought was a hell of a lot of fun. It it was action-packed. It was funny. There were very laugh-out-loud comedic bits in it. The art, I thought, was stunning. (laughs) And, And after I finished these two issues, I sat there and I thought, why does my buddy Jason not like this book? It seems to have been designed specifically with him in mind. Because I've I've read your posts and I think you mentioned it a couple episodes back that you did not like this book. It was not for you and you were also surprised. Do you want to know what I read? I'd love to. Can you guess? No idea. I, I, read, I thought it was Cable. I said and I no. Said, oh, and I yeah, said I no. I actually been enjoying Cable. I'm just going to stop buying it because yeah, I wouldn't take your word on Cable. But <laughs> I did. I did take your word on this because. This is your boy. And I thought, well, he must know what he's talking uh, about. Mark with a Mouth? Mark with a Mouth issues one and two were fantastic. Why did you not like so, them? Sucks. How could sucked. it not? How could it suck? 
What what was sucky about these two issues? You don't know the character. You don't know why it would. No, suck. I'm, well, again, it's all personal preference. I, I thought it was Deadpool. I think a lot of people don't like Deadpool or make fun of him because of he is inherently his character is always about being right on the edge of being really annoying. He's mentally unstable. He breaks the fourth he breaks the, the the fourth wall. He's always cracking jokes. He's it's very shticky. You know, there's all there. It's it's over the top, and I think. Guys like Joe Kelly, Chris Priest, um, so far not going to like Daniel Way. Uh, Gail. Have, true, Gail. Well, yeah, to an extent. She, I mean, her, most of her run was like Agent X, but it's the same thing. Um, okay. Yeah, I think when they do it right, Casey. Mm-hmm. I think when they do it right, it's, uh, it, it's, it's, it's right on that edge, and, and it, it's, it and entertains me to no end. Um, I think that Merc with a Mouth is way over the past to the point of it's annoying as all get out. I think they, it was, I, I thought the jokes were corny predictable <sighs> and it was like it was like trying to do with deadpool you have to be has to be written with a scalpel this was written with a with a with a machete um it was it was all the kind of things i think that people think of deadpool when they don't like it like if you take the average person that hasn't read deadpool and say what do you think of him and they're like oh i hate deadpoolers it's so annoying i think they're thinking of what they would read in murk with their mouth so i'm unhappy about the series not only because i personally didn't enjoy it but because i fear that People are going to pick it up on the stands rather than the Daniel Way book because it's got the number one or number two on the screen and read this and they'll be like, oh, I still don't hate, I hate Deadpool still. Wow. So let's attribute the uh, writing chores to the man who did it and it's uh, Victor Gishler, yeah. whom I've never heard of before. You won't hear much of him again. Oh. I think you're, you're whack because, I mean... It, I like Deadpool, but I'm not fanatical about the character. I enjoy his, the comics featuring him. They're fun. They're uh, lightweight. That's what I expect. I, I expect just action-packed romp. This was was a lot of fun. You have Deadpool in the Savage Land with Kazar and Zebu, a sweet Dr. Swanson female, well, according to Deadpool, a love interest. There's a, a tribe of crazy cavemen who worship the disembodied head of the Marvel Zombies version of Deadpool. Dinosaurs, gunplay. About what? I, I'm I'm mystified. Again, though, all that stuff. When you describe it like that, it's like a solicit. It's that's exactly the same thing you find in any Deadpool issue. It's over the top. It's it's campy. That's what it Deadpool is. But just like any comic, I mean, I could describe any JLA arc to you, and it could sound great and like classic JLA. But it's all in the nuance. It's all in how it's written and how the story is put on the page. In this case, it's bad Deadpool, in my opinion. Just like there's good shaken, bad shaken, this is bad Deadpool. I got the feeling it was going to be bad when they solicited a second series. Anyway, I was like, this is awful opportunistic. I'm a little stunned that now that I'm seeing there's actually a third series come out. I'm, I'm really having trouble buying that the books are going to sell well enough to justify three Deadpool series. But um, for me, again, it's all personal preference. I'm, I'm glad that you enjoyed it. I mean, I, obviously anything that... The more people that are reading Deadpool, the better I, I want the character around. But for me, I thought it was um, – I mean, I read the first issue. I pre-order my books like you do, so I, I, I'm I, I'm getting the second and the third in the mail. But uh, I was completely put off by it. It was everything I feared it would be. And, uh, wow. And, I, 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 and I'm not – I'm not a huge Bongazo fan. I, I, I oh. okay. See, I after reading these two issues, I want no one else but Bongazo to do Deadpool. I think the oh. guy's really talented. Just diametrically opposed. Clearly, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know what to wow. say. And the covers. It's the for well, the first issue. You know, you, I, have, I mean, right, right. Arthur Steeled him. Yeah. The the first issue, <laughs> uh, Soydum does a Spiked homage him. to John Basima's 
Savage Tales number one cover with Deadpool in the Conan role. It's just a great cover. And then I know you didn't like the second cover with the Jaws ape. Right. But I, I, I see nothing wrong with it. I, I don't know. I just had a hell of a lot of fun. It's sexy. It's, I think it's funny. And you know what else I read? I, yeah, I was in Deadpool mode. I read the uh, Dark Rain Deadpool crossover with the Thunderbolts. Oh, you did read it. I thought you weren't. Yeah, I know. I know. I said I wasn't gonna. I said I wasn't gonna buy it or read it. But the uh, Magnum Opus story. And again, Bongdazo drew the Thunderbolts chapters. He his his art's like candy. It's so beautiful. Yeah. Oh well. (laughs) Yeah. I guess we can agree to disagree. I thought it was great. Uh, If if this Deadpool Merc with a Mouth series continues in this direction, I'll 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 buy him. Yeah. Oh well. Further proof that people don't really care about three ninety nine. <laughs> well, the first one was three ninety nine, but you got a uh, reprint of the uh, Ed McGinnis Deadpool issue number four with the Hulk, the one that uh, who wrote yeah. that? I think it was Casey, right? Mm-hmm. So the first issue was three ninety nine, but the second one was two ninety nine. Okay, yeah. Let me just make sure well, that you like it, man. I mean, that's yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I, honestly, was, when, you, was... when you mentioned to me earlier today you were going to talk about a book that I I I, I wouldn't have thought of that because I. Uh, I didn't even. I really only kind of poo pooed it in passing, but yeah. I threw a curveball. Right, it was a book that I was going to disagree with you with. You're right about that. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't Joe uh, Casey. It was Joe Kelly. Uh, yeah, Joe, yeah. I'm, I'm curious what uh, what are what are uh, the other Deadpool nuts on the uh, forums think of of Mark with a Mouth? Because maybe I'm in the minority here. I don't know. I don't know if has Blaze Fire weighed in on uh, the new series yet. I haven't. I don't recall him talking about it. Or I like the Daniel Way series, but I think this Mark with a Mouth. I I enjoyed it. It, it, a little bit more, mm-hmm. yeah. And you know what? From reading that uh, magnum opus, it struck me how instrumental Deadpool was to uh, Secret Invasion and Dark Rain. Sure. No, because sure, if, yeah, yeah. if if Deadpool never stole the information on the the uh, Skrull Queen, Osborn would never have been able to save the day and sway public opinion in his favor. So he owes all of this public good-natured feelings towards him to Deadpool. It's nuts. But I'm not reading Dark, all of Dark Reign, so I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with everything that's going on. But it just seems like a lot of it hinges on Deadpool or his performance when yeah, he was Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say, because it, it is weird as a Deadpool fan, I've always liked him kind of with the understanding that he's somewhat of a peripheral character that a lot of people actually hate. You know, I mean, a lot of superhero fans don't hate many characters. I mean, they, they may not like a character enough to to buy the book or to seek it out, but then I don't know that there's too many characters people like are like, oh, I hate that. And it seems like Deadpool's one of the characters, like Lobo in the DC universe, where I think he's because mm-hmm. he's so quirky or something. People actually like really tend to dislike him and or lo- or love him. And uh, I'm, I am stunned myself that that Deadpool's getting so much run. I mean, I I, I, yeah. I I'm, I'm surprised. I guess that either there are a lot of fans or they're really trying to force it, maybe because of the movie. I don't know. I mean, I'm really actually surprised. I mean, he's everywhere. I mean, he's going to be in- my my, yeah. my whole thing. My whole uneducated disdain for the character is that, in my eyes, he epitomized uh, an era of comics that. Um, that I didn't like, you know, mm-hmm. that that I that I ran away from, you know. You want to talk about '90s comics? Well, Deadpool's sure. kind of the poster boy for that. And uh, you know, uh, first of all, kind of realizing that there were a lot of great comics that came out in the '90s. Um, it just they weren't where you expected them to be. Number one, I've kind of changed my opinion on that. And number two, Deadpool is a fun character. It's mm-hmm. a he is a 
fun comic book character. So, you know, once you kind of put your prejudices down, he can be great, even though kind of what you're describing is everything in Merc with a Mouth is everything that I would think of the 90s Deadpool that I wouldn't like. So, yeah, that's I well, I doubt if I'll be picking that up. Like I said, I I'm not in the crossover event mode and I want nothing to do with having to buy a hundred books just to get a story. So mm-hmm. these, both the, the ongoing Deadpool and this Merc with a the Mouth, they're tailor-made for me right now because, yes, it did cross over into Thunderbolts, but it was only two issues, and they were fun. They were lighthearted. I didn't have to know a whole... Like I said, I, I'm not reading Secret Invasion. I didn't... Uh, most of Dark Reign is a mystery to me, but I had no trouble enjoying these stories for, uh, by what was given to me. And, yeah, I mean, Deadpool's <laughs> macking on the Russian Black Widow. Black Widow, yeah. yeah. And she's she's hitting on him back. She's a freak. Yeah, she's freaky. Yeah. She's, I love that character. I think it's a prerequisite yeah. that you have to be a hoe if you're a Black Widow. Because uh, the original yeah. and this one are both hoe. And uh, Deadpool teaming up with the Taskmaster? That's gold. <laughs> well, if you like you guys, the Taskmaster, you, guys... you should be reading uh, Avengers Initiative because he's, uh, he's the new head of it. So, right, uh, and isn't uh, Umberto Ramos drawing that? Yes, he is. Wow, oh, I should. Well, that's awesome. I should be. Maybe if uh-huh. I get it in trade. But I yeah, guys so, it. Uh, I read the. It. Yeah, I read the first maybe six or eight issues of Initiative, and then I I dropped it. Yeah, I was going to drop it, but then Ra- they did the Ramos thing, so I, I stuck with it. And actually, just fit, I just read the last four or five issues this week, and uh, and liked them enough to I'm going to keep getting it. So. It looks like they're just uh, shooting from Ramos's pencils. Is there an anchor attributed to that book? That I don't know. Yeah, it looks very, very uh, pencil-y to me, which is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Enjoying the Deadpool. How about that? How about that shit? And then <laughs> now we're now we're going to hear, oh, Vince's transformation back to the Marvel lovers in full swing. I, yeah. I never stopped. I just, yeah, especially now, you know, New Mutants and yeah. Mm-hmm. It's true, and I think the the, the uh, next the Deadpool book that Jason you were trying to come up with isn't it Deadpool team up? Yes. Right. Well, it's, is it going to be like is it is it going to be like a two on one? I think so. Yeah, it's, it's Deadpool plus somebody else. Yeah. Oh, that actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, I, I'm I, yeah. I'm not, I'm going to get that one from try it out too. I'm just saying, but it it just does surprise me that, that, that the market can support. Well, I guess we'll see if they can, but that the market can support that. So. Not just the yeah. market. Deadpool's going to be in Punish. Uh, no, Spider-Man's in Punisher uh, annual. Yeah, Dead- Deadpool's all over. Uh, I, I miss I miss team up books. Yeah. I miss Marvel team up and Marvel two and one. So if they can if they can sneak a a new Marvel team up book. With with Deadpool, I'm all about that. It's Can't funny though the- because mm-hmm. no, I was going to say I just uh, I I was not for as much as I love Kirkman um, and I love Team Up books. I, I was not a huge fan of Kirkman on Marvel Team Up. I, I, I didn't I like think- Kirkman's Marvel work. Yeah, me neither. Yeah. I really didn't think that was very they're, good. They're, I'm trying to. I like the irredeemable, irredeemable Ant Man. That's the only thing at Marvel of his that I really liked. Who's in the friggin' Thunderbolts? I did yeah, not and know he that. travels around in Black Widow's uh, cleavage. Yeah. Cleavage. <laughs> nice. Diggle. Diggle did a good job on those two issues I read. Mm-hmm. Who's taking over right. Daredevil uh, next next month. Yep. Right. Yes, very true. By the way, you're right, Vince. Uh, Ramos is, is uh, credited as the art in the books. There's no... Uh, he's, very he must, cool. Yeah, there's no uh, inker, so... And, and, and Gishler has written some Punisher, Max, and uh, he's, he's, he's a crime, hard-boiled type of uh, author. He's written some oh, books. Oh, so he's, 
He's like well, the next Wayne Swarzynski. Good for him, because he did a good job on Deadpool. Yeah, he did. <laughs> Jason biting his big old tongue. <laughs> I'm surprised David agreed with you, because I would imagine he's not even reading. No, no. Well, I, as far as Gishler goes, I, I I didn't read Merc with a Mouth. No, I'm I'm just talking about his work in general. Oh, oh okay. Got he's being diplomatic, is what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, 11 O'Clock Comics is Tom Morris from Marvel Noise. Hey, David. I have a slight grump. I loved your discussion about Spider-Man 600, and I was gritting my teeth as I heard you guys having a hard time remembering about Nathan Levinsky. Did you not listen to my segment? All kidding aside, I know it's hard to keep track of every little character in Spider-Man history. Lord knows He's had a large, large number of background characters. But uh, Nathan Levinsky died trying to protect Aunt May from an attack by the Vulture. Yes, Adrian, he actually grabbed the whole pack of Adrian Toomes' collar and hung on while a Vulture was attempting to kill somebody and in the process of which would have badly hurt or killed Aunt May. And Nathan died from a heart attack from the stress of basically trying to be a hero. He actually died in Peter's arms as uh, he basically saved him in the middle of this fight with the vulture. But like I say, love the uh, discussion about using Spider-Man 6. Now, uh, one of the things I thought would be brilliant, uh, we almost talk about how great John Romita Jr. is, but I was surprised nobody mentioned John Romita Sr., who drew some of the most iconic Spider-Man stuff, let alone you know, the death of Gwen Stacy. You know, Spider-Man 50, which I'm actually reading right now from The Essentials. He definitely deserves major props for his work on Spider-Man. I'd say more influential than Ditko in many ways. Uh, and not to mention the fact that he also did a great, and I must say great, uh, variant cover for Spider-Man 600. But, you know, and I would say that, you know, here's an interesting question. Is John Romita Jr. better than John Romita Sr.? Can they the two be compared? Because clearly, he's got to be his greatest influence is his father. I mean, look at the way he compared the way he draws Aunt May versus the way John Meade Jr. draws Aunt May are very similar. Now, of course, uh, John Meade Jr.'s style on faces, like for Peter and others, is a lot different than John Meade Sr. But I noticed one of the things that was interesting was the way uh, MJ's hairstyle is very similar to the way John Romita Jr. and Sr. both draw her this, draw the same way. Same with, say, Betty Brant. That they, they still has that kind of '60s kind of look to it. As, but then again, in the uh, '90s, he drew uh, John Romita Jr. drew her hair in more of a style, that kind of style. But I think that the intent was as a throwback to her early appearances in the uh, mid in the mid to late '60s that John Romita Sr. worked on. Anyway, Tom Morse, I'll see you all in the forums. Let's talk about something happy now that we're all far, I'm all fired up. Has everybody <laughs> read The Nobody, finally? Can we not talk yet. about that, please? I'm back. No, not yet. I didn't, oh, yeah, I didn't can't talk about who, it. Who has not read it yet? My hand's up. His Time hand's out. up. My hand's halfway up. Are you not in possession of it yet? Hey, no, I have Jason, it. It's right here. Jason, Jason, yeah. you want to... 
you want to do our own little podcast and we'll talk about the nobody. Right. We have to wait for these these two jag bags. It's it's David, it's high be, five. We'll read yeah. it for next week. Okay? Yeah. But I, I mean, mean let's I be realistic. I love Jeff back, Lemire. But wait, no, you it's No, you I don't have away. an excuse because I did have time to read it. Don't coddle right. me. I did have time to read it, but I love Jeff Lemire. If you put a book in front of me on the history of Skywald and compare it to the nobody, I'm going to read the Skywald book only because that's my time. That's my period, my favorite period in comics. I'm going to get to the nobody. I will Vince, read it for next week. What? Stop, stop living in the past. Live in the now. <laughs> no, there's, there's room for all, for all of it. I'm just saying that I thought we agreed that we were waiting for you guys to get nobody in your, in your month-end DCBS shipment, which is I No, I have it. That's week, have so. It. Yeah. Damn, the Skywall book is two hundred fifty-six page book. I only have so much, so many hours in the day. Dude, Skywall uh, book came out in two thousand four. You had to read it this week. I'm playing catch up. Yeah, it came in the mail. <laughs> yeah. I I opened up the the package and I saw that not the greatest Pablo Marcos cover, but the word Skywall was there, so I had to read it. Mm-hmm. Huh. Jeff, I will read it for next week, and so will David, and we'll have a big old Jeff Lemire love fest Man, on the Nobody you a next fucking week. Personalized birthday card, and uh, you can't read. I, the book. Yeah, I know. Nice. Yeah, sweet, man also that? gets gets mentioned on almost every one of our shows too. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sending the love back. Deservedly so. That's right. Exactly. That is true. Uh, yeah, you want to just yeah. kick it in the in the in the balls because we're close. Um. Yeah, Unless somebody has ding. something they want to go for this. Ding? Well, I don't know if you guys are reading it. If not, though, I'd like to throw it out maybe to talk about it in, in the next week or two. Um, Jersey Gods. I don't know if you guys. I'm are. reading it. Yeah, I read the first issue. I haven't gotten. Oh, I've got the, I got the trade. Where the hell is it? Yeah, I need yeah. to, I need to get back. I'm not talking about it. I have, I have. Well, Chris, you mean let's live in the present, okay? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I am living in the present. I've got this right right here. Not getting in too much into it this week, Vince. Is it safe to say by your action that you have it, but you're not you're not jizzing over it that it's not? No, I like I like no, I like Jersey Gods. I like it a lot. Yeah. Do, are you fun. comparing it at all to Godland as you read it? Very much so. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It does have a a, a very strong Godland vibe, and it, it, from the 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 uh, pantheon of gods, it, it does also have a new gods vibe to it too. But totally. yeah, um, even, even the art Godlander. looks a lot like. Yeah. Well, it's it's another Kirby homage book. May they like never the end. Is, you know, the art is a Kirby homage, I think, too, much mm-hmm. like Godland. Although I think, at least I'm through issue six. At least uh, so far, I think Godland is like an A plus and this is you know I think solid B mm-hmm. oh yeah I'd I yeah. give it a B plus maybe leaning towards an A yeah, but probably. yeah it's, Godland it's, it's yeah it's up there yeah yeah. it's kind of hard well yes sir what, what's your favorite Kirby costume Ooh. oh Jesus Commandy's my favorite <laughs> he had he had blue dress dress slacks that were all ripped up he didn't have a loincloth my favorite Kirby costume. Holy shit, that's a hard one. I and, and this kind of comes back to the Lemire thing because he does awesome Kirby um, uh, Kirby creation mm-hmm. sketches, and I want to get a sketch from Jeff um, at Windy City. And I'm trying to think of what Kirby character I want him to do, and he's done an awesome Mr. Miracle, but you know, I don't want to do one that, you know, because I saw another sketch that he did. I'm kind of thinking, I'm 
I'm I'm reading uh, the Iron Man Doom Quest um, story right now, and I'm just like, man, I don't have a, a you know. Um, uh, oh, actually, I do have a Doom. I have a great Doom that uh, that Dave Wachter did. So ah, I was thinking mm-hmm. of Doom. Well, no, I've got that, so I can't have him do Doom. Vince, help me find a good Kirby character for Jeff to do a sketch. Mr. Um, Galactus. <laughs> Galactus would no, be cool. Galactus would be cool. Um, I was almost geez, thinking the, Icarus. Mm, oh, I don't heck. know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, Black Panther. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh! <laughs> wow! How about how about how about how about Karnak? Karnak or Gorgon's pretty cool. But yeah, Gorgon would be cool. Not my favorite. Jesus, maybe a Celestial. Ooh! A Celestial would be very cool. Celestial. Oh no, dude! I got it. What? I got it, dude. Get Lemire <laughs> to do Uatu. Ooh! Yeah, that's that would... a big, big bald guy going to a toga party. I don't know. Dude, that's perfect for for Jeff's style, though. Yeah, it he would is. do. He would do a very cool watcher. He would do right. a good anything, but come on, what, what? Some of my see, there's so many good ones. How the hell do you pick out a good Kirby? Uh, the best. Cur- Speaking uh, of uh, Lemire and and uh, doing commissions, I too was talking to him about doing something that I could pick up at Windy City, and he was like, "Sure, what do you want? Anything? Name it." So I said, "Could you draw? Uh, could you could you do a Wolverine hunting Sweet Tooth in the woods?" <laughs> and you wrote back saying you couldn't do it because he couldn't bear the thought of drawing Wolverine hunting his character. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the sweet tooth. I mean, that's his son's name. It's oh, it is Gus. Yeah, yeah. His oh, son's name is oh, okay. His son's name no, is I knew Gus. His son's so, name was Gus. So, I didn't know. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. So you just basically asked him to uh, to draw <laughs> Wolverine, Wolverine hunting his son. son. <laughs> Come on, Way to go. Uh, Chris, how sorry, about Thor? Huh? How about Thor? Oh, he would do a kick-ass Thor. Yeah, I mean, there are, you want to talk, we gave Stan some love, but we could just sit here and rattle off so many amazing character what designs. Silver Star? Hey, Silver so, Star is a pretty cool costume. Black Racer. <laughs> Night Glider. I like, I like Black Racer. Um, yeah. Th- just think about just the pantheon of of character designs that that Kirby created over the years and we're uh, uh we were talking about this uh at work uh when we watched the um the the Thor the Wolverine versus stuff mm-hmm. or no the Hulk versus I'm sorry right, right. the Hulk versus and how all of the Asgardian characters and and character designs that he did translate so well to animation that man if 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 Kirby were starting out today he probably wouldn't be working in comics he'd probably just be um the the the, the animation god that's you know all like Bruce Tim Thunder the Barbarian I bet you Lemire would do an awesome Andy the Android from hmm. from She Hulk, which I think Jack designed the original. Oh yeah, the, yeah, awesome. Mad Thinker's Android. How about yeah. uh, how about X fifty one? See, I attribute that more to Ditko. Yeah, yeah, but I'm even no, though I'm thinking. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, there's so many. You, even, just plucking from Commandy, the 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 gorillas or the Prince Tufton or Caesar. Or Doc, yeah, it's nuts. It's nuts. <laughs> you can't go wrong with any Kirby character, really. They're all awesome. Go Jack. All right, people. I guess that's it. Thank you very much for listening to us. And also, thank you to DCBS, Discount Comic Book Service, for sponsoring our asses yet again. If you like 
big discounts on your comics and who doesn't head uh, type into your browser dcbservice.com and you'll be magically transported to their website and a wonderful realm of less than retail price comics way less than retail <laughs> check them out dcbservice.com they're good people they is and you know what in your travels read deadpool mark with a mouth regardless of what <laughs> mr wood said because it's a lot of fun and there's boobies in it boobies boobies uh read uh incognito yeah do that very good um read godland mm. or jersey gods yeah take some ayahuasca oh you gotta or be kidding me right now you get staticky the hell with it go uh read the walking dead latest trade just came out and it was the bomb get it before tv series starts that's right you know, the last issue is awesome that that book after a lull has really picked it up walking yeah. dead is got me looking forward to each issue again well you guys remember my rant after episode, uh, issue 48 how i was kind of ready to dump it because i was like this is too depressing I, but uh, I, it's bounced yeah. out it's bounced back though very nicely yeah yeah it's good stuff all right should we say goodbye now Say goodbye to the Lemire cast. See, <laughs> <laughs> little love for our man uh, Jeff Lemire. Come, yes. come to Windy City Comic Con and meet him. WindyCityComicCon.com. Nice. And also That's meet right. Dave Price and Jason B. Wood. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, it's we did. Um, everyone's probably heard about it if you follow on Twitter and all that. But uh, Jeff Darrow and Mortat now. Ooh. And uh, and we say bye for Vince because he's he's static. Bye Vince. Say say bye Vince. Bye.